I am so grateful to be with all of you. I bring you greetings from Lexington Theological Seminary and uh, also from the Indiana-Kentucky Synod of the ELCA. And I'm going to share with you a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever welcomes me, I'm sorry, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. This passage is one that is in the Revised Common Lectionary for Christian churches that follow this cycle of readings. And I wanted to share this with you and uh, also just thank you for welcoming me and also your pastor, Brian Chenoweth, who shares a deep concern with me for environmental issues. He and I are both members of Kentucky Interfaith Power and Light, a multi-faith environmental organization that is doing great work here in the bluegrass, helping people to frame earth care within a religious context. I was honored that he invited me to speak with you today, especially as I saw that your theme this month is compassion. Your congregation lives out the value of compassion in so many ways from your welcome and hospitality for LGBTQIA siblings, to your compassion for Earth as a green sanctuary, to your willingness to confront and deconstruct racist systems, to the many nonprofits you support, you are embodying the eight principles in many ways. In the Christian tradition, we also value compassion, which was a key teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. We can see this demonstrated in the passage I read from Matthew chapter 10. Jesus urged his disciples to go out into the surrounding communities and offer compassion, healing, and transformative love in a broken world suffering from oppressive systems. Whoever welcomes the prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. What did Jesus mean? by this phrase, a prophet's reward. What is a prophet's reward? Christians in America are learning what this means. The bad, the ugly, and the good. As I read Jesus' words about offering a cup of cold water, an act of compassion, as something that earns a prophet's reward, I could not help but think of recent events that happened at St. John's Episcopal Church in Washington, D.C. 
on June 1st. Reverend Gina Garbasi, the rector at St. John's, wrote a post on her Facebook page describing what happened that fateful day. She and members of the church were offering respite to Black Lives Matter protesters who were demanding justice for George Floyd, the latest in a long procession of Black lives ended by murderous police violence. Garbasi described the scene that she encountered that afternoon. She said, we were passing out water and snacks, helping the patio area at St. John's be a place of respite and peace. All was well until about 6.15 or so, when police started pushing protesters off of H Street. That's the street between the church in Lafayette Park and ultimately the White House. They started using tear gas and folks were running at us for eyewashes or water or wet paper towels. At this point, one of our seminarians and I looked at each other in disbelief. I was <coughs> coughing and her eyes were watering. We were trying to help people as the police in full riot gear drove people toward us. Let me pause there. In the ancient world, it was understood that when you showed hospitality, you didn't just welcome a single individual. By extension, you also welcomed the community who sent that person. You welcomed all that that person represented. So when St. John's welcomed the protesters, we can say that the church welcomed the justice movement they represented. This church was supporting people who were putting their bodies on the line in order to call for justice. They were acting with compassion, giving out water and snacks, offering a place of rest, and if needed, a place to recover from tear gas or other injuries that might, they might endure during this protest. Little did the priest and congregation members realize when they opened their church patio to the needs of the world that day, they would be in need of first aid themselves. Drabassi's story continues. Suddenly around 6.30, there was more tear gas, more concussion grenades. I think I saw someone hit with a rubber bullet. He was grasping his stomach and there was a mark on his shirt. The police in their riot gear were literally walking onto St. John's with these metal shields, pushing people off the patio, driving them back. People were running at us as the police advanced toward us. We were literally driven off the patio with tear gas and concussion grenades and police in full riot gear. We were pushed back 20 feet and then with so many concussion grenades back to K Street. Let me pause again. Is this a prophet's reward? Is this the reward of the righteous? To be tear gassed and forced out of your own church by militarized police? To have your eardrums pummeled by the shock waves of concussion grenades? Is this a prophet's reward? Unfortunately, the answer to that question is yes. This is the bad and the ugly of the prophet's reward. In other sections of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says that prophets receive persecution, that they are rejected and that some will even die. 
Now, for most mainline Protestant Christians in America, we have not had to endure the prophet's reward. We've been safe in our churches. We have been exempt from state-sanctioned violence. The church has been, been considered a sort of no-fly zone, a place that is set apart and respected. We're generally left alone to do our ministry of caring and feeding, teaching and gathering for worship. But that changed on June 1st. Because on that day, the occupant in the White House decided he wanted to march across Lafayette Square to commandeer that church property and have his picture taken holding a backwards Bible. Drabassi, of course, was livid. She said, I literally could not believe it. We were driven off the patio, a place of peace and respite and medical care, so that that man could have a photo op in front of the church. People were hurt so that he could pose in front of the church with a Bible. He would have had to step over the medical supplies we left behind because we were being tear gassed. She went on to say that before the attack, the patio of St. John's had been holy ground that day. It had been a place of respite and laughter and water and granola bars and fruit snacks. But that man turned it into a battleground first and a cheap political stunt second. She said, I am deeply offended on behalf of every protester, every Christian, the people of St. John's, every decent person, and the Black Lives Matter medics who stayed with just a single box of supplies and a backpack, even when I got too scared and I had to leave. She said, I am okay, but now I am a force to be reckoned with. Indeed, this is also the prophet's reward, the reward of the righteous. It is the reward of becoming a force to be reckoned with. It is a force for goodness and fierce compassion that gets back up after it has been knocked down and says, we will not back down from this ministry. Even if you come at us with riot-geared police, even if you try to desecrate holy ground and holy scriptures, even when you use a house of worship for political purposes, we will hold the line. We will defend the sacred space for the work it has been designated to do. We are called to welcome the prophets, the righteous ones, and the little ones. In other words, the vulnerable ones who are in need of a cup of cold water to quench their thirst and wash the tear gas from their eyes. In fact, clergy are rising up in response to the authoritarian incursion on St. John's. Leaders of houses of worship and denominations have denounced the president's actions. This event has struck a nerve. The president has crossed many lines and this one showed us his willingness to overtake any space he chooses, including religious space, to further his political agenda. In response, a group of clergy had been organizing this month to form a group called the Clergy Emergency League. 
loosely modeled on the pastor's emergency league in Nazi Germany that rose up to resist the Third Reich. The clergy emergency league is made up of clergy, mostly Christian, because it was a Christian church that he chose, and white Christians are the primary ones who have enabled this administration to do this evil. But clergy of other faiths are joining as well. And we are standing against the oppressive systems upheld and perpetuated by those in power at all levels. We're addressing abuses of power while being in covenantal solidarity with each other. We're pushing back against the, the fusion of radical right-wing fundamentalist Christianity with politics, as well as with the growing power of racist white nationalism and a militarized police state. We are called to empower those who are vulnerable, black and brown bodies, children in cages, differently abled folks, LGBTQIA folks, those who have no health care, those who speak a language other than English, those whose country lines beyond the borders of this country. In just two weeks, more than 500 clergy have joined the Clergy Emergency League, and we're planning an official launch on July 4th. Our members are encouraging each other, sharing resources, holding each other accountable, preaching and teaching with courage, and stepping into the public square for justice. In fact, just yesterday, one of our members joined with the Black Lives Matter movement and joined a group of people who went to Louisville, Kentucky to offer peaceful support against the threat of white nationalists. One of our CEL members, Rachel Anderson, who was a Presbyterian pastor, she joined the event that was planned by SURGE, which stands for Showing Up for Racial Justice. They met at a local church for prayer and preparation, and then they marched to the public square together. Fortunately, the white nationalist group was very small and decided not to engage the group. But I want to show you a photo of these pastors standing together. You can see this group of clergy, about 35 of them in all, lined up with their hands outstretched in peaceful defense. You see, this is also the prophet's reward. Joining our voices and our hands and our hearts with movements of justice and restoration that are bigger than any one person. Yes, persecution is a reality. Yes, the risks are real. But Jesus also said that those who are persecuted for righteousness should rejoice and be glad. He promises that the righteous will shine like the sun in the realm of God. So I want you to know that 
a movement is rising up. The UU Church has been doing this for a long time, but honestly, many Christian churches are behind the eight ball on this. But something has happened. There's been a shift, and it's very encouraging to me. There are groups across the country who have been linking people to confront injustice as well as advocate and activate for structural and systemic change. Groups like Faithful America, the Poor People's Campaign, Black Lives Matter, the Women's March, and now the Clergy Emergency League, which provides support, accountability, resources, and networking for clergy ministering in their congregations and in the public square. Our goal is to protect and sustain the prophetic voice of the church and clergy to speak truth to power. This is the prophet's reward. All of it. The bad, the ugly, and the good. The persecution and the empowerment. The tear gas and the eyewash. The concussive grenades and the shouts of protest, laughter, and singing. The flagrant violation and the flagrant grace. People are waking up. Eyes are opening. And what we are seeing will shine like the sun. Amen.